Hey, I'm Tim. And I'm Drew. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In Season 3, Episode 10, we hear the conclusion of our interview with Allison Matthew Smith. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. And we are minutes away from hearing the conclusion of guest hosts Kent Reader's interview with Allison Matthew Smith, which I'm excited for you all to hear. Uh, if you remember back to the first half of the interview, they started touching on this idea of how relation and relationships uh, tie into creativity and how uh, creativity doesn't really or, or creation of things doesn't really happen in a vacuum. Um, it at, at, to some degree or another needs an audience or needs to be connected to other people. So I was curious, Tim, if you've had a moment uh, in your creative journey where a relationship or where you showing your work to another person had had a huge impact on on your your work. Yeah, I guess I have two brief ones. One I've mentioned in the past is one of the first times I wrote a, like a complete song. And I remember my parents encouraging me to show it to my pastor. This was back in Washington and I was, you know, a high schooler. And he's like, well, that's awesome. Let's do it in church. Like he immediately was just like him doing that made me feel the confidence that maybe this is something that's actually worth other people's time. It's worth, it's worth them hearing too. And I would say that same thing happened maybe on a grander scale at our songwriting weekends that we've had in the past. You're with a group of other people that maybe feels the same way you do, but just giving people a, a small glimpse into your songwriting process, doing these challenges where you're forced to put out a product in a short period of time, letting people react to it and give you constructive criticism and feedback. I have grown so much from those experiences and it's really given me more confidence to continue sharing my work with people. Yeah. Absolutely. I was thinking about this as we were talking for the last episode as well, um, but just kind of a, a major turning point for me was, you know, I, I had written songs before and I had used them at my home congregation before, whether it was back in high school or when I moved to South Carolina. And that was, a, that, th- those were cool experiences being able to to have other people benefit from the thing that you created and and get feedback about whether they liked it or didn't like it or what they did or didn't like about it. But I think a, a turning point for me was when songs I had written or melodies I had written started got, getting used by congregations that I didn't belong to, that they had just, you know, through friends or friends of friends had been found and used by other, other congregations. Uh, and like the, the pinnacle maybe was, uh, Kent and I uh, wrote a, a song called Newborn Bloom for Christmas several years ago. And one of our friends who's uh, been on the podcast, Steve Springborn, he is the uh, choir director in, in Nebraska. And he wrote a choir arrangement of that song and had his choir sing it for their Christmas concert. And that just blew my mind. Uh, like a choir was singing my song. And, hmm. um, but like, it's this fine balance, right? Between it's not that we do it for recognition or, or, or for, you know, our own personal glory, but there's this undeniable, like the fact that it is being used, that it is being connected to other people, that other people are 
benefiting from this thing that you have created is just an an undeniably cool thing and and just kind of shows why we do it right like it if we just did it in a vacuum it wouldn't benefit anybody what would be the point of it you know if i if i made a a painting and then just hit it in the closet and didn't show anybody then i just wasted a bunch of time right but if we're able to create connections um through our art i think um yeah there's just something about it yeah well enough of us talking let's get back to the interview with kent and matthew and alice smith let's get to it the idea of making a thing right is maybe a bit of a fallacy that we you know nobody made there's nothing new under the sun no one makes anything what we do is we we arrange it differently or we discover it um in a context where it hasn't been fully uncovered right and we sort of like an archaeological dig show it to the people who are around us and our own heart gets added to that which makes it something different and you know hearing the two of you describe alice's particular gift of you know celebrating a person you know okay like i thought of the phrase a personality sommelier right like that mm-hmm. you you are you're able to sort of the best notes of them take them in and celebrate them and point them out to people who wouldn't otherwise see them because we're all just you know box wine drinkers that <laughs> <laughs> that it it's 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 special to make something and it is just as special and it makes something new when you get the chance to share that thing so right now alice you are actively engaged in the development and sharing of some projects and you talked about a couple of them and i just wanted to give you a little space here to like let's get specific what are you working on now mm-hmm. why is it so valuable to you mm-hmm. uh, what do you love about it well um the main work i've been doing is this idea of an adolescent program and i don't call it a school because i don't want it to be a school if, yeah. if anything you could say a school of life and work um and the reason it's important is not only because i have a 12 we have a 12 and 15 year old but because during my adolescent years I did not have many adults around me who could see the developmental, who knew and who were aware of the developmental needs of an adolescent. And they're unique. They're not the same developmental needs as children. They're not the same developmental needs as adults. And I think that there's a book called Brain, oh my gosh, my brain, Brainstorm is what it's called by a neuroscientist, Daniel Siegel. And, um, he talks about like the superpowers of adolescence. And in a similar way, when we write with Rain for Roots, we think about like the superpowers of young children and their imagination and their immediate warmth and love for whoever they come in contact with. They're just open-armed and open-hearted. The scriptures that talk about like, be like a little child. Well, the scriptures don't say be like a teenager, right? Um, And there's reasons for that. So having reflected on my own teenage years and also looking at my boys and thinking through what they're going to need what their friends need wanting to create a space where they get to work alongside adults who are not only authority figures in their lives and most children most adolescents in our society interact with adults their parents who are not just authorities but kind of as authority figures especially in their teen years and then their teachers definitely their school leaders there's rarely a place where they're invited into the grown-up world and maria montessori called it um they called that age group social embryos. They're brand new and they're changing more than they've changed since they were born. And so for me to celebrate their bodies are physically changing. They're looking at their hands again, like hand regard, like who am I? Where did this come from? Right. And so some of that creative work involves a lot of connections of people. And I'm on a collaborative campus where I am today. 
um, and wanting to create like opportunities with the culinary kitchen and the nurses for newborns and the group who does food for a bunch of nonprofits for inviting young people into that work alongside adults, giving them a taste of what it is to be a a valuable and contributing member of a small community, which our neighborhood is like a small town, like our little neighborhood in a big city is like a small town. Um, So I'm trying to channel my small town roots into that work and um, connect people and which I think is creative work. Uh, Seth Godin, who we, the reason we know each other is because of his work in the world. Um, I recently read Lynchpin and he talks about how any art is anything where you have to exert emotional labor. I'm like, Oh, I do a lot of that emotional labor exertion in my work. And um, that it's anything that's creative and passionate and personal. And I feel like that is a broader definition of art than I've ever heard. And also one of his defining characteristics, he says it's, it can be useful. You can do something that's useful. So I would say an educational environment is a useful thing. And he said, as long as it causes change, like your art can be useful. It doesn't have to just be beautiful. It can be useful, but it has to cause change. And so the change I'm looking to see is fewer and fewer young adults who have not had opportunities to practice being an adult in our <laughs> in our world. Yeah. Oh, that's, um, Lynchpin was my introduction to Seth and his work. So for any artist, well worth the time. So is the practice. Well, so good. So uh, good. Yeah. So well, good. Um, how about, you know, Matthew, we, we talked about, we want to keep, this is an Alice interview, right? And you're here to help us supplement that, which I really appreciate. Matthew, would you endorse anything that Alice works on? Which which one would you like to promote or talk about or celebrate um, for the listener at home? Well, yeah, that's what's interesting. What Kind of going back to what I was saying about how, you know, songs and, and music are, you know, they're put in a consumer form where I can say, hey, go listen to this song that Alice wrote and you can you can pull it up on the streaming service or you can buy a CD. I mean, I want to endorse her Montessori work because I feel like it's so significant and all-encompassing. But you can't get that, listener. You, you, you cannot access that. Do you know what I mean? So that's my primary endorsement and you just can't have it. I'm sorry. You know, something you can get are the songs that, you know, she's written with, with Rain for Roots. And she's done, she's done a few. But this last record... She did a couple and, you know, and they were really good. And I got real mad, you know, because she's so good at everything. And <laughs> I, I can only do music. And she was like, you know, she's so good at everything. But she just stayed away from music because she's not a she's not a good singer. But, you know, she's a creative who can just apply that to whatever's around her. And she was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna write some songs and they're going to be killer. And then I was like, no, that's what I do. That's what I want to do. That's what I try to do. And you're infringing on my territory. So that was a bummer, but you know, you can't argue with the results. So, um, tell me by, uh, that's, that's it, right? Allison, my brain's yep. gone. Yep. Fritz and tell me by rain fruits. You can listen to that. Um, stars. Do you want to talk some more about, about some of those, those songs? Alice? Stars with Katie and Kenny, which Kate, we have a long history in our friend group of spending time looking at the night sky together, a sure. full moon gatherings to watch the full moon rise on a friend's um, third story deck and getting together in the bitter cold to see when planets align. Flo and Katie and I did that with last February and kept driving to another spot to see if we could see it better. So we wrote that song stars inspired by all those moments and camping together. Katie and I have shared campsites with all of our children when our husbands are touring. So we've done a lot of night sky night viewing 
And then, I mean, there, there, those songs, it's interesting because I feel like I came about even those co-writes in a way that are, is not typical. Sure. Um, one of them was a lot of journaling I had done and a lot of meditating I had done on the concept of the night sky and the stars and gave them to Katie with the Psalms in mind. Like I'd worked through the Psalms and looked at different things. And then she took it and wrote the music and most of the lyrics, but half the lyrics are the phrases from my journal. Yeah. And she wove it together in such a beautiful way, but we weren't even sitting together to do it. And then Tell Me was um, Flo's song. She wrote one of the verses and shared it with us and said, does anybody want to you know, finish this with me? I just found this voice memo and forgot about it. And it'd be perfect for the record because it's very much out of the Psalms, all the questions that we ask God. And I said, oh, I'd love to work with that. And so I did the same thing. I worked and worked and worked on it and then got together with her and shared kind of what I had come up with in the meantime and then we you know edited it and in the studio it took on a new form when Sandra added some pieces musically and it just became its own thing and now when I hear it it feels less like something I created and more like something that existed and I got to enjoy being part of figuring out and the image of a sculptor you know saying like here's my block of marble what's there right chipping away to find out what's there. Both of those experiences with writing those songs felt like the songs were already there and we were trying to uncover them. And then to educate means to draw forth, to educe, to bring out what's already there. And so I think that through line that I have in my work and that creative, those creative endeavors that are more, you know, traditionally called art um, is that, you know, I want the design. I want people to be more fully who they are and God has done that. And so let's like, help that be uncovered and those songs felt the same way. Love it. Thank you. All right. I've taken a good amount of your time and I really appreciate it. My last, if I can, if I can have one more question, I want you to, I have a quote that I'd like to read and then give you both a chance to respond to it sort of in the context of everything we've talked about in this really fun and fantastic conversation. We've had a chance to enjoy it. I really appreciate your time, but respond to it in this context. And then, you know, you both, live and function in a, in an interesting creative world you know i think it's really fun matthew that that we we've had this conversation and you're in it and hearts and hands would benefit tremendously from the stuff that you do outside of being an awesome husband who cares deeply about his wife <laughs> uh, so i hope that there can be a future conversation there as well but this is i had a couple different seth godin quotes written down and i thought one of them will make its way to the top as we go i think from both of you, one of the admirable things that I've heard over and over is is this, you know, just a really wonderful sense of humility. That is, I think, one of the marks of someone who is is aware of their imperfection in the world, right? Like, especially as Christians, that we're honest about who we aren't. And as much as we are trying to be honest about who we are. So I think we can, you guys can both hear this quote and respond to it in a way that will be not in any way like egotistical, though the quote could lead somebody that direction. But this is from one of his little rants. And he says, how dare you settle for less when the world has made it so easy for you to be remarkable? So knowing what you know about Seth, particularly you, Alice, uh, Seth Godin and his, his set of thoughts, how dare you settle for less when the world has made it so easy for you to be remarkable? Reflect on that quote in light of this conversation, your journey into being a creative. I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't also add to that, that Matthew read and knew and paid attention to Seth's work for all the years before me. Good. So that's the only reason oh, yeah. 
yes, he's got, he's, he's got the shelf full. Um, and I didn't really pay much attention until more recently. So he, he would read me sections and things. And I like that quote a lot. I love provocative questions that start with how dare you. Um, I think that we need a few more of those in our interactions with each other and not be so worried about how they might sit with one another when we get a little fired up. His rants are great. When I first met Matthew, I heard his singing voice before I met him. Mm. And we were in high school. I was a new girl. I was a senior. I didn't know anybody. And when I did meet him in person at a prayer meeting, I made the connection. I realized that he had written the song. He had, he was saying he was thankful that he'd written this new song. I said, what was the song called? He told me the title and I thought that was the guy behind me singing. I didn't know which guy it was. So that was like how I met him. But I called him Matt and he is a Matthew. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And we almost didn't become friends. And I mentioned earlier that we were friends. (laughs) But I pushed through even though he had written me off because of that mistake. But here's the thing. Even in him wanting to be known as his name and not a shortened version of it that he did not introduce himself as ever, that was a remarkable thing. And there were consistent moments throughout our friendship where he, because he sees the world from his own unique vantage point, and he was not afraid to make those assertions. I saw him really early on. Like one of the reasons I was attracted to him as a friend is he was a person who was like, no, that's not the way I see it. This is the way I see it. Or that's not the way it should be. And so he never, like, I feel like that question of how dare you settle for less when the world made it so easy for you to be remarkable, like whatever in his world made it pretty easy for him to be remarkable definitely has spurred me on in that remarkability um, of my own. And I don't know, that's my first reflection, first thought. Fantastic. Matthew? Yeah. And for me, I think, yeah, I think my response to that is that, I mean, I know Seth well enough to know where he's coming from, but I think that quote can be easily misinterpreted or misapplied in our culture in that the way I process that quote as a Christian is, you know, how dare you not be who God made you to be, you know, and, mm-hmm. and find, find that out and what the calling is. The way you can misinterpret that quote is how dare you not achieve, because we live in such an achievement, public achievement oriented society where you're given notoriety or, uh, you know, wealth because of your achievements. And I don't think that's what that quote is about. And when Jesus talks about how we need to become like little children, we, we tend to superimpose our own meaning on that. That's really clear in the passage that what he's talking about is children don't seek power over, over other people and put them, you know, try to put themselves above. Um, they just are, they are who, who God made them to be and the freedom of the self forgetfulness of that, of being able to play, of being able to make, of being able to do all those things. So I, I would say, how dare we not be like little children? How dare we not be remarkable in the ways that God hand fashioned, hand fashioned us to be, apart from the achievement culture, because you can achieve a lot in our society without ever knowing who you are or being known, and you will end up empty and ultimately unremarkable, right? You'll just be another successful cog in the machine. But to be fully 
to be full of yourself and explore what that is and, and how it changes over time and who you are in Christ, if you're a Christian, really there there is true joy in that, there's true, true freedom, there's true peace in that, that, sim- that simple achievement will not give you. There is something about creativity that includes not only the development of something, but the discovery of oneself and the whatever version of creativity we're talking about here. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his essay called Membership, talks about how, you know, God has made us to be something like you were just saying, Matthew, and we need to spend time discovering it. And, you know, it's, it's foolish to pretend that we're born as, as though we're fully developed because we aren't, right? The yeah. obvious right. truth of maturation show us this, and yet it is children who have the key to finding that, right? Because they're not being right. some other version of ambitious that isn't helpful. Right. So, and I would, I would add to that, I would add to that, that, are, that one, of the, one of the big lies of our society mm-hmm. is the, the hyper-individualism where we, we can even say, who am I apart from everyone else? And you can't, you can't know who you are apart from other people, apart from community. It's impossible. You're nothing. Uh, taking it back to the, the children metaphor, you know, children get to know who they are about playing with other children. And, you know, it's so amazing to see little kids where you, they go to the, to the playground and they just meet other kids that they've never seen before. And then they play. And you're like, hey, at the end of that, you know, they had such a great time. It's like, what was that kid's name? And, oh, I don't know, but he likes this and that. And, you know, we talked about this and we played this. <laughs> you know what I mean? But which is a deeper knowing. And so that, you know, that kind of, again, achievement and individualism is something that we need to be wary of and say, have, I guess have the, you know, pause and say, you know, who am I in community? That's the only way I'm going to find out who I am, who God has created me to be. Even the triune God is not singular. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Isolation is, is rough. No, very cool. So th- thank you both very much for this time. Um, Alice, thank you for letting us come alongside you and, and see the journey that you've taken into vocation and into creativity and to sort of share with and learn from that calling. I want to thank and celebrate and honor your marriage and the, the relationship that the two of you have and the way that it's shown in this particular conversation. really appreciate that too. Anything else you want the folks at home to know about, think about, pray about for you? Uh, as we sure. Have? Two things. Nita Andrews offering is called Creative Lectio. I could not remember creative yeah. leftio. And it was a very formative moment in time where I did that for a couple of years. And then also just to echo what you said, Kent with Matthew, his birthday is this week. And I know this is not really a birthday gift time, but like just to affirm words of affirmation, he has definitely been my chief encourager and supporter and reminder. Like when I'm like, oh, I can't do it. I don't know. I'm not good enough. He's been the voice in my head and in person saying, um, this is who you were made to be. Like he's the one bringing me back to the truth of the gospel and the truth of personhood and what it means to be human. And it's been so consistent that it's just needs to be celebrated once more, even though you already said that we've married 21 years and knew each other for four before that, and still getting to know each other in some ways and find the things to celebrate in one another. So I appreciate him a lot for being a great husband. Yay. 
Yeah, this is my <laughs> primary gig. If you if you ever want to interview me about my side gig of music, uh, you're happy to do that. But right, being a husband and being a husband doing, and father is doing yeah, that's my true. primary gig. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Well, we'll we'll get that on the calendar. Really appreciate. Yeah. It. Well, again, thank you guys very much for doing this. It's been really fun and and informative and exciting. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. Once again, we want to thank Kent for taking the time to give us a couple weeks off here as we get closer to the holiday season and we're getting a little busier. Um, it's been a big help to us. So thank you, Kent. Uh, and as always, if you have questions you want answers to, people you want to hear from, or you are a creative uh, and you want to share the cool new things you're working on, whether it be song you're writing or a, a school you're working with like Alice's let we'd love to hear from you feel free to reach out to us at hearts and hands podcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wales creatives and if you are if you don't get enough from just hearing our glorious voices in your ears and you want to potentially see our faces or get access to other bonus content we've got some of that available for you on our patreon page at patreon.com slash hearts and hands podcast be sure to check us out and we appreciate all support we get through that Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.